Welcome to Educate, Caring Activists, Teachers for Equity, the podcast about all things education and equity. I'm Jennifer Martin from the University of Illinois at Springfield. This is Episode 5, Locate, Root History, Inc. Our guests today are Gina Lathan and Stacy Grundy. Gina and Stacy are two of the three co-owners of Root History, Inc., a souvenir store that highlights the experiences of black people along Route 66 in Springfield, Illinois. Gina Lathan is a native of Springfield, Illinois. She has over 25 years experience as a senior administrator in the public sector and as an entrepreneur with expertise in public health, social justice, and community capacity development. Gina has served in several advisory roles on local and international travel and tourism committees and projects. Gina is the executive producer of an award-winning international documentary. She is a graduate of the University of Illinois at Springfield's Master of Public Health program and the W.K. Kellogg Foundation's HRDI Multicultural Executive Leaders Fellowship. Gina is currently a PhD candidate at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign in the Community Health Program with a specialization in public policy and evaluation. Stacy Grundy was born and raised in rural Hodges Park, Illinois, and has served as a public health professional for over 12 years. She holds a Bachelor of Science in Human Nutrition from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, a Master of Public Health degree in Health Promotion and Behavioral Sciences from the University of Texas School of Public Health, and is currently a doctoral student at the University of South Florida majoring in Public Health Leadership. Her research interests include rural and urban economic development, health inequity, and social justice. Welcome, Gina and Stacy. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Well, so happy to be here. Yes, definitely. Tell us about Root History, Inc. What is it and how did you get this idea? Well, Route History, so we're actually a for-profit business, um, and so it's a souvenir shop, but we always say it's more than a souvenir shop. So through Route History, we actually share the experience of black people along Route 66 and in, as well as in the city of Springfield. Gina is actually the one who um, came up with the initial idea, and so we were just doing research, and we were just working together, and and so she brought up Route 66, and she um actually corresponded with some people in D.C. Um, regarding the Green Book. And she brought me along. And then once we started doing our research, it just one thing after another. So we learned about the Green Book and then the Great Migration and then um, the Pullman Porter. So there's so many elements to that actual story. Um, but I can let Gina kind of tell you how she came up with the initial idea. Um, before we move into more information about your space, can you give our novice listeners some background on the Green Book? What is that all about? You know, the Green Book is an interesting resource that really, as I say, um, Mr. Green did a great job of using a booklet to save lives. And so it's more than a book. The Green Book was uh, created out of need because many people who were traveling, especially those during the Great Migration who were traveling from the South to the North, needed to know those places that were safe and accessible to black people to get basic necessities. 
gasoline, food, lodging, some entertainment. Every place wasn't as open and accessible. And for example, Springfield, uh, which was like many towns that were surrounded by many sub uh, sundown towns, and those mm. sun, sundown towns, um, as we know, you had to be out before the sun went down because very bad things could happen. But also, many places, even um, during the day, they wouldn't let you. Not only would they not let you go through the front door, but they wouldn't even let you come inside. And so, the Green Book understood that people. Um, that the black traveler, as well as anyone else, needed basic necessities, and they were their people, and they just wanted to be respected just like anyone else. And so that Green Book made sure people were safe by navigating them by state to state, and within every state, the accessible sit those cities that provided those resources for black people uh, of basic necessities. So where they could stop, where exactly. they could eat, mm-hmm. where the they could get houses. gas, yes. mm-hmm. where they where could, they could use the restroom. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, it, yes. and it even included um, beauty parlors, um, barber shops, um, as well as, you know, to go to the local, you know, pub or lounge for entertainment because they you know they even acknowledge that when people are traveling if they sometimes they want to let their hair down so I do yeah (laughs) and then um it's just nice to meet people from different spaces I think we all do that when we travel we like to meet the locals we'd like to know we'd like to see the traditional sites that Mm -hmm. are for tours but we also want to know who lives there what's this what's it like living here what are the things that you do for fun what what's entertaining around here and so that gave people the opportunity to interact with people and get to them in a safe, meaningful way. And in many places, as I said earlier, they were able to stay in those tourist homes. So you were actually able to stay in someone's home, pay to stay there, but meet them, eat with them, um, um, engage with their family, and have a really good experience. Because most of the time, the traveler was traveling based on need. And so they were trying to move to a place for more opportunity. And so it wasn't like there were... Well, I wouldn't say that people weren't going on vacation, but a lot of times those trips were very strategic. We had to get from A to B so that we can improve the quality of our lives, so we can increase our income, so we can make sure that our children and grandchildren had a better way of life. And as Stacy mentioned earlier, the Pullman porters mm-hmm. on the train, they were more than just employees for the train. They endured a lot of racism. They endured a lot of hardship just getting up and going to work. But what they also did was they made sure that the, that black traveler who was on that train, before they got off the train, they knew uh, at their stop where to go to get the resources, where they, where to go to get the services, to um, get access on how to apply for a job or where to go to get a job. And most of the time, those points of stop and those points of reference were black businesses. Mm-hmm. And so the black business was more than just a place to provide goods and services, but they were definitely a navigator for the black community. They hired people. They made sure people had the resources they need to live um, as much as possible a productive life. And when we go back and we look at the um, history of lynching in the United States, we often see that the black business owner was the one that oftentimes had that horrific experience. Because if you remove the dollars from the community and you move that catalyst that moves the dollars into community, then you decimate the community and you change it and you have more control over it. Thank you very much. Getting back for a moment to the Green Book. Mr. Green was a postal carrier, from my understanding, and that's where he got much of his sort of the grassroots knowledge of different spaces and places and in different areas to share with people. Where could an individual obtain a Green Book? At, and, and do you know the, the time period when it was crucial for black travelers to uh, 
to obtain that? When was this in, in high usage? Well, the first Green Book was published in 1936, and it went all the way up into the 1950s. So around the time of integration, Green Books kind of went off the scene. But during that time, people could find Green Books at Black Churches, the National Urban League, as well as SO Gas Station, which is actually Exxon Mobil gas stations. So they actually had a program for black entrepreneurs that they would give out business loans for them to start their own gas stations. So during that time is where that's where black travelers could find green books. Um, now they still have green books. You can find them. They might be at certain African-American museums or as well as, you know, on Amazon, they have them as well on there. And as you well. have one at the Root mm-hmm. Museum. Yes. Is that right? Yes. And we will also, not only will we be uh, selling copies of the Green Book um, in the close near future, but Stacy and I have also been invited to join and we accepted to join the National Green Book Committee. And so we will be serving as members of that that committee. And, and the intent of the committee is to ensure that all individuals who have uh The overarching committee is to ensure that all individuals um, are able to identify their communities along Route Route 66. And so as members of that committee, we are definitely going to be working not only in Springfield in Illinois, but all throughout the country to um, work in many ways to educate around the Green Book, to highlight and um, promote and celebrate the many black businesses that were a part of the Green Book, because that is history and that is legacy that is built on. But the, but to also um, uh, reinforce and um, and educate the importance of uh, black businesses and the role that they pay, played in the past and that they need to play in our current future. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank, what thank an you. Honor. We're very excited. Can can you clarify the SO SO E S S O Yes. The SO gas stations. What compelled them to provide opportunities for African Americans in their communities? Was this a national um, initiative of the gas station? Yes. So SO is actually a derivative of Standard Oil. So when they broke up all of the mon- monopolies, um, so you know Standard Oil broke up into different like GM. They broke up into SO. All these different um, companies, and it really was about economics um, because. The, the black dollar, you know, African-Americans need gasoline. And so this is a way for them to provide money for um, for the travel and ge- traveler in general. And so it was really about economics, but it was also an opportunity for uh, black entrepreneurs to actually um, start those black businesses in their communities while they're able to hire um, people within their communities. Are ESO still open? Um, they're actually ExxonMobil now. is your third co-owner our third co-owner unfortunately he could not be here today his name is Kenneth Lockhart his family was is from Springfield and actually it's always really nice to just acknowledge his uh, history when we do the tours because um, in one space we have history around black Springfield and um, key locations and individuals who have made great contributions in Springfield who are of African descent and so Kenneth's great-grandfather was actually one of the uh, black firefighters. And so we have a, a photo of the black firefighters, and their their firehouse is now the uh, Masonic Temple here in Springfield, Illinois. But uh, there's a photo of his great-grandfather. So I'm sure 
he is somewhere very proud of, of his grandson. So he's working hard right now, and he is truly an entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. he's always got his hands in a lot of things, and he's a young man, and he's doing great things, and he has a family, and I'm so proud of him. And um, I'm sure he, he has two children that they are very proud of him as well. Thank you. Will this play into your dissertation topics in any way? My dissertation topic, it will not play into. So in my program, I am a non-traditional doctoral student, meaning that I'm online a portion of time, and as well, I'm down in um, Florida for um, for different seminars. But the reason why I chose to be a non-traditional doctoral student is because I wanted to be a community-based researcher. So I wanted to live in the community, um, work in the community, um, while I did my research. And so this isn't, while this isn't directly tied to my dissertation project, but this is, you know, doing all of this research with this project and actually just creating these projects, this is really my life's work. And this is really what I, I feel like I was put on this earth to do. And so I've always been passionate about racism and inequalities. And so this is a way that I can tie in all of those interests Mm -hmm. and actually, um, even with the task force, have an impact on a larger scale. So it's not directly tied, but it is tied. Thank you. What were the steps that you took to get your idea to implementation? How did your idea come to fruition? Well, I think it goes back to what we said before. It's a lot of life experiences. Um, I lived on campus and I, with my two sons. Um, I am born and raised here um, in Springfield, but I was also a teenage mom. So I, I know that life experience of being a teenage mother. I understand the um, the benefits of higher education and how that can be very much life-changing because you're able to uh, advance in a career and be able to provide your household and contribute to your household in a very meaningful way. Um, and when I say that, not only economically, but um, there were many, um, op- uh, um, in some situations, I probably wouldn't have had to work, um, and I didn't have to work maybe two jobs because that one job was able to contribute what I needed to my household. And so as a result, I was able to spend more time at home and spend more time with my sons and and and, and, and just understanding that uh, we could travel more. And so we were able to go across the country on many occasions. Every year we would do two or three trips. And that's, that's really important because what it did is it allowed my sons to have a a broader worldview. So in conversations and in goal setting, they were able to see um, through a lens that may not necessarily been as narrow because they stayed in a maybe a four or five block radius for all their lives. And that's, that's really important. And so when we talk about economics, it's just not about buying a pair of tennis shoes or buying the latest outfits, but it's about investment in our community, buying the properties in our community, building the homes in our communities, um, providing an opportunity to see the world and do great things. And so when I thought about root history and some of the things that I was thinking about, it was just the other piece was, what do I stand on? Um, I was raised um, in, a, in a household with my mother and father, but I was also clearly raised even more so outside of that household with, by, by two different grandmothers. And so that was a big part of my, my history. And they were very proud of who they were and where they came from. And they were hardworking women and they took care of their families. And so that's something that I was always very proud of. And um, just doing this work and doing and understanding my, my one of my grandmothers, she came from Mississippi. And so understanding, you know, it wasn't just a road trip. It was a true journey that she she had to take to get from Mississippi during that time to Illinois. And so uh, 
uh, root history is a foundation. It's standing on the foundation that was already created for us. I don't um, in any way want to say that this is something that just came straight from my mind and I thought about it all on my own and we came up with all the ideas on our own. People have came before us and those people have struggled and they worked hard and they paved the way. And so I don't think this is something we paved the way, but I do think that we have the responsibility to move forward, to press forward, to educate those that are coming behind us and to give them something to stand on as well. That was a powerful response. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I think for me, my mother, she, my mother was a a school, well, she still is a school teacher. um, And she taught, she's taught for over 40 years. um, And she actually went to a segregated school. um, And then, you know, our family, my grandfather, they all migrated from Mississippi, but my mother, always made it a point for us to know our history and so I would read black history biographies in the summer and she would take us to um you know the Martin Luther King breakfasts and she made sure that we knew my brother and I we we knew the National Negro Anthem um and so just being from rural southern Illinois my life experiences are a lot different um even though we didn't have a green book my mother and father made sure to to teach me that certain towns might not be safe for you to stop in so you only make sure you stop in certain towns and so even though there is no physical green book I feel like that is still stitched um, in the fabric of African-American psyche Um, and so just I think just all the stories that they told me with their segregated schools and just just every you know I feel like everything that they have you know instilled in me and so this work it didn't even feel like work it was just Oh yeah, you don't know about the Pullman Porters and you know, I I think everyone knows what I know and I know that's not the experience, but this is a with root history, this is a way to share that in a fun space and for people to actually be excited to learn. It's not like someone's just in a classroom making you learn something, but this is your history and using all those different um educational tools like with visual displays and then things like that to kind of teach history in a in a fun way. So that a lot of who I am is because of, like Gina said, the people that came before me that they, what they experienced so that I could be where I am today. Thank you, Stacey. For our novice listeners who may not have taken African-American history or maybe not done well in a American history course, if it was covered at all, What do you think we should know about the Great Migration in general or about Pullman Porters? Um, Well, I think people should know about the Great Migration um, because it's kind of how we start the story of our windows to history in our in our um, in our store. It's just kind of given the context of, yes, we have Route 66 and this road and now it it. People can drive from, you know, the Midwest now to the East, but just thinking about what was going on during that time, you know, slavery is over. Um, then you have Jim Crow in the South, which everyone knows, but there are also Jim Crow throughout the country. And so for African Americans, for them, it was traveling to opportunity. And so to kind of know about it is that even though as dangerous as it was, that people would still risk their lives and their families' lives to reach those opportunities. Um, And even though, you know, you don't have to, you know, know everything from history, but there are so many different resources like Root History is a great resource they could stop by. Um, But as well as different books, um, different, you know, the Internet, um, just talking to some 
older people in your family or and I feel like those are some of the best stories when you just have those people who live through those generations because Jim Crow wasn't that long ago you know my mother she was born in 1950 um, and so that was when, you know, 1954, when schools were integrated. So, you know, you have people who live during that time. And so there are so many different resources. And just think about, um, we kind of talk about in our store, um, the tragedy, the resilience, and the excellence of Black people. Because despite the tragedy of going to sundown towns, lynchings, things like that, they still were able to be resilient and to still push forward and push education and push their their children to be better and to learn and to and to go off and be successful and people were still exceeding during that time. I just feel like it's such a powerful story that people if you don't know about you're really missing out on, but it's a really powerful story that just shows you the resilience of a people when they have faced so many um tragedies. Thank you. Are there any books or readings that you would recommend that so many of our listeners are pre-service teachers, mm-hmm. so future teachers, are and I want I recommend books constantly to them and we can put any links that you would like including the link to your website in our show notes so is there anything that you pertaining to or or not pertaining to our topics today anything that you would recommend for future teachers to read you know i think that um education is is moving in a great space because it's it's not just that traditional education model and so what we're we're going to be doing in the near future is working with uh, young people to um, have that um, that tell tell that living story, and so they'll be able to act out and role play and do skits around experiences. I think that's the best way because then you actually allow them to embody that person's experiences, and then afterwards they can reflect on what that person actually went through, and then they can also appreciate the experiences of that individual. Now, I'm not taking anything away. I definitely think that there are, we have a number of requested reading books, um, books, and I would love to give those to you. But I also believe that there are a lot of new authors, young authors that are coming out and they're doing great work and they're looking at history in a different way. And there are some great people who have done great things in, in this country. And um, a lot of times we, uh, when we when we say black history or we say American history and we're referencing you know, that black experience in it, we hear some of like the same four or five names, but there are so many people doing so many great things. And as someone who was born and raised in Springfield, I never knew about the Lincoln's Colored Home. I never knew, or I was never made aware of Miss Eva Carol Monroe, who started the first black orphanage in the state of Illinois. And from that, she they built another orphanage on the land that she lived in and in a family style setting she took care of uh, black children and elderly black people who had nowhere else to go and so as someone who earned her degree in human services and had a life experience and a professional experience working in human services working with children working with elderly going into the prison system I understand that that woman made a tremendous sacrifice and what she did in the in the late 1800s and early 1900 um, in the early 1900s was I mean talk about superwoman and so to be able to celebrate her and to hear about her and, and it's unfortunate that uh, though she's not in our history books and so there's so many people who just are like her 
who are not in our history books. And I think that the other thing is that working with young people to understand who are who are their heroes, because their heroes aren't necessarily the basketball player. Their heroes are not necessarily the reality star. They may not know it, but their hero may be that grandmother and grandfather who maybe were not professionals, were not lawyers and doctors or accountants or computer scientists, but they were people who got up and went to work every single day. And they worked hard and they paid for their homes. And then when they passed away, that family, that house went down, went to somebody else in their family. And so that those, uh, um, that grandmother and grandfather, they created the first step of generational wealth. Mm. And so understanding what that means. And, and, and if you explain it to the child and you help them understand, it's like, wow, they did. They left you a leg up. They left you some land. They left you a place where you could always call home. You can always go back to that. And so helping our young people understand who are your heroes and how are we defining our heroes and how are we defining what, uh, what somebody who is an impact maker truly is in, in, in terms of transforming and making our, our communities sustainable. Thank you, Gina. There is one book um, I know that is The Warmth of Other Sons, and that is a book that tells the story of the Great Migration. So it actually gives two different um, stories. And so you can kind of see um, the juxtaposition of two different stories and what it's like for the different characters. And even just how did I learn about the Great Migration? I think I, and like, it was just my mom. Yeah, it was, I learned about it from stories. I asked my great uncle. I just didn't even know it was a great migration. I was (laughs) like, oh, I know that story. My grandma told Mm -hmm. me. And, you know, it wasn't that, you know, we, we read, I learned past that paragraph in the curriculum at school. It was was family. It it just told you the story. Mm -hmm. So it, and it's so much, uh, it's so more transparent and real because, they tell you the real story yeah. and it's not a condensed paragraph in a chapter. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the re- realities of these are the, these are the real things that I experienced. These are some of my concerns about maybe you going back down south or mm-hmm. my concerns or I want you to go south because I want you to see and I want yes. you to have an experience that you may not receive in the north. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. um, there's just a richness in our history and there's a richness in our culture that needs to be, especially now more yeah. than ever, when we see so many of our young men being incarcerated, mm-hmm. when we see such um, um, blatant racism, when we see the uh, lessening of values of ourselves and our communities, this is the time where we need to go back and understand by which we stand, by which our foundation is, and, 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 and increase our expectations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Speaking of curriculum and inadequate curriculum, are you familiar with the new law in Illinois that is requiring African-American history? Yes. Okay. Exciting. Yes. Exciting. And much needed. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Because it's a part of American history. Mm -hmm. I feel as though you both should be involved in the development of this curriculum. I feel that I way do too. too. All right, let's make something happen. <laughs> yes, I, I truly do. Okay. I truly do because right. I, I applaud those that have moved this piece of legislation forward, but it really does sadden me that you have to get to the point where you have to have this embedded in legislation to move it forward. Yes. 
Mm -hmm. Okay, to be continued on that point. Okay. (laughs) What can visitors expect from Root History, Inc.? Uh, To learn a lot. And to learn a lot and to be engaged. We have people from all walks of life walk in. We opened our doors February the 15th, and I've met so many people from so many different places. So we haven't even really started tourism season. So I think it's going to be a really fun and exciting time, and we have a lot planned, not just for the store and the experience of the exhibits inside the store, but we have a lot planned on the exterior of the store. And so we will be doing uh, chess nights on Wednesday night, so we're going to be having young men come and they'll be outside and they'll be playing chess and learning how to play chess with older men. And uh, we are going to be having some um, book signings and book readings. And we just got invited. And um, you know, thank you for the introduction, a young man who will be doing uh, a tap dance routine and, and, and showcase. And we'll be showcasing different talents and just a lot of community engagement. It's uh, mm-hmm. Springfield. Is, a, is definitely a tourist town because it is the home of Abraham Lincoln and we are two blocks from Lincoln's home. So this will allow us to be able, and we're open after everyone else is closed down. So <laughs> everyone else closes down around five o'clock, but we keep it going until seven or after. And so we'll be able to really be outside and just engage the community, engage the visitors. And I really appreciate that Springfield has the opportunity to engage people from all over the world. So what a great space to be able to invite our international visitors to Root History and connect them with the community and people who live all throughout in different neighborhoods of Springfield. And they be able to come out and just meet people from all uh, walks of life. That's so much better than reading a book or watching a video about a, a country. But to actually talk and spend time and engage um, with the people who are, are representing um, their homeland. And where are you located? We're located at 737 East Cook Street, Springfield, Illinois, on the corner of 8th and Cook Street. And um, going back to your initial question, what will um, what's that experience like on the interior of uh, Root History? You um, experience um, and learn about the windows to history, looking back on history, learning a little bit more about Jim Crow, uh, the Great Migration, and the role of black business owners. Um, you learn a, a lot more about Mr. Green and his contributions to uh, the black traveler and to uh, Route 66. You get a lot of more information about Route 66 because it is the mother road and it's very significant for their country. And that that road has tells so many stories, the road, so many stories and so many experiences. And it runs from Illinois to California and every state has a different piece of it. And so as Stacy and I are working on that national committee, we'll be able to enhance that ex- that learning experience of Route 66 and be able to share more experiences along the road of for about people from different walks of life. You get to learn a little bit more of Springfield in terms of the Amadexter House. In the early 1900s, we were educating and training black children on math and science long before STEM curriculums were out. We knew it was a priority in the city, and so that was being done. We 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 will share more about the uh, children, Lincoln's Colored Home, and the black uh, firefighters, and as well as the black police police officers in the early 1900s and and 1800s in in the city of Springfield, as well as individuals who have gone off to war and and done amazing things and and made tremendous sacrifices and came back home, and those who haven't. 
you'll learn a little bit more because I think Springfield is doing a really good job of really telling the stories of the, uh, the story of the race riots of 1908. And so just making that introduction. And I know there's been some, um, the city is still growing and, and, and looking at having a, a full exhibit and display that tells more of the story of the race riot of 1908, which is very important. And then also the Underground Railroad, because Springfield was a big part of that. And um, as I said before, as somebody who was born and raised here, I literally did not know that. And so we have um, black men who lost their lives. They lost their lives making sure other people were able to get to um, to the north and, and, and taking care of them and, and making sure that they were safe and um, they were a part of the Underground Railroad. So... Those are some of the experiences and things you'll learn at Root History. And I think it's just going to be a really fun educational place and very interactive. Thank you, Gina. So in terms of education, since this podcast is primarily for pre-service and in-service teachers. Can you speak to your education in Illinois and what you would like to see changed for future generations of kids? Well, I was born and raised in Illinois. Um, We learned some um, black history, usually around February. I think with the state, with the new legislation to make African-American history a part of the regular curriculum is a great, I think, step. And so that is really what I'd like to see is that black history is just integrated as history because black history is American history. So it shouldn't be separate and apart. It's a part of the fabric of this country is what made this country so great. And so I think that's what I would like to see change is that it's just integrated and taught throughout the year. And it's not a separate, you know, event. Right. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Stacey. I kind of like the idea of the celebration of that separate event. And so we always don't agree and that's fine. We don't, but there, it should be integrated, but there is something unique for black history month. And I wouldn't want that to be taken away, but I do believe that uh, black history is American history. And so it should be integrated into our uh, education curriculum. If I had to have an additional ask, it would be to expand to expand and understand that there are more than five, four, five, six black people who have made contributions to this country. There truly are. And so, um, and I, I, and I, I believe that it's important that we pay attention to that those, those individuals who have made those tremendous global impacts. But because when you're dealing with a uh, community that has been marginalized, and you're dealing with a community that has historically you have been oppressed and there's that trauma in that there needs to be that special attention in terms of the delivery and the introduction to black history. And what I mean by that is for those communities, each community needs to identify what they bring to the table. I don't believe the Springfield is unique by saying, by, by, um, highlighting the, um, the black people um, who have made great contributions to Springfield. I just don't believe that. I believe that for every community that Mm -hmm. exists and where we are now as a country, I think that we need to begin to push and help understand that every community in every community, black people have been a part of that foundation. And for those communities, each and every one of them, that their, their contributions need to be a part of those districts 
education. So it shouldn't be something that I should be able to just come to your school district and say, hey, I have this prepackaged curriculum and I want you to teach this in your community. No, mm -mm. we need more. We need to be able to say, yes, there is that prepackaged model that we all, many of us know, and some of us may, some of those individuals may be new, but also those children in those communities need to understand that you may live in the older part of the community, the more rundown part of the community, but let's be very clear on who was there before you and how hard those people worked and how hard they educated themselves, either traditionally or self-taught and the contributions they made. And so because of that, you stand on something. And, and then the expectation behind what you stand on. I am with you 100%. Agree 100%. So just to summarize for our listeners, you advocate not only teachers learning the cultures of the students and bringing them forth into the curriculum and investing in, in students' Yes. truths and knowledge and mm -hmm. home knowledge and neighborhoods and culture but also bringing in community stakeholders exactly. yes. and I feel that teachers with in conjunction with their students and communities should be developing their own curriculum instead of purchasing things that are mm -hmm. like you said prepackaged and scripted yes. yeah I agree and can you imagine the richness of the state of Illinois if every community did yeah. that right and then that inventory of all the greatness, it would be phenomenal. And the investment in the kids. Exactly, yeah. the investment yeah. in the kids, yes. the, the self-expectation now from the children because right. they identify with somebody that they can connect to yeah. some and way. relate to. Let's that make this happen. Hey, I, I'm, I'm 100% right. <laughs> with you. Yes. Other than the challenge that we just posed here today. Oh, it's not a challenge. It's an opportunity. <laughs> okay. Other this. than the opportunity. Yes, we have this. Mm -hmm. If you could challenge or opportunitize our listeners, many of whom are pre-service teachers, what would you propose to them? What should they be working on? Find out how their, how their students learn. Find out how to engage them in the ways that are the most comfortable for them, but also challenge them. And by those ways, teach them. And don't expect them to be less than or not as smart or not as interested because maybe they come into the room bopping their heads or singing a song that may not have correct English give them another opportunity and another space to learn a different way, but then also let them know that you, you live in a world where you're going to have to operate a certain way in many situations and prepare them for that. Thank you, Gina. And I agree. I'm actually a product of Montessori schools. So that is the way I learn. That's how I start off learning is playing. It's play. It's, you know, the application is you're having fun where you're not even you don't even know that you're learning it doesn't feel like school and so I think exactly it like just because someone their handle of you know the English language isn't up at you know may not be up to your standard doesn't mean that a child is not intelligent and so because if you think about it how many kids they know all the songs they know all the games they can remember all the codes for the for the playstation yes that means that they can learn mm -hmm. and so that they you just might have to figure out a way how they learn and how to um use 
how to present the information to them in a way that is accessible to them. Thank you. And and I would caution our listeners to not stereotype mm-hmm. or perpetuate language prejudice. There are many different forms of standardized Englishes, and African-American language is one of them with its own unique rules and grammar. So um, if you're correcting a student, you're probably the one who is wrong. If I want to contact you, how shall I do that? Well, you can go to our website at www.roothistory.net. Root History is spelled R-O-U-T-E-H-I-S-T-O-R-Y.net. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at Root History, as well as on Instagram at Visit Root History. Excellent. And we will put all of these links on our show notes. And you can also give us a call. Ooh, give us your number. (laughs) Yes, 217-503-4129. And we um, will be updating in the next couple of weeks our calendar of events on our website. So and, and then also posting regularly on social media on activities that we have planned for the spring and summer. We're really excited and we're going to have a lot going on. And so we want to engage any and all travelers, any groups that come to Springfield nationally or internationally, and then local visitors, because even locally, there's so many people, including myself, who just didn't know. And so um, tapping into some of our neighborhood associations throughout the state and just invite, I mean, the city and inviting them over. And um, we're, um, so we're really excited. Let's say I'm a teacher and I want to bring a group. Can I contact you through the website? Yes, we would love yes. for you to bring, for all teachers, educators to bring um, groups. That would be great. Okay. That would definitely would be great. And what are your times and hours that you're open? Our normal business hours, which are from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., um, Monday through Saturday, and then on Sundays from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. So seven days a week. Seven mm-hmm. days a yes. week. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And what are the costs? Um, cost there is there's no cost. Um, if you'd like to make a donation, um, just for some of the activities we'll be doing with the youth in the evening, you're more than welcome to make a donation. But there's no cost. So this is an amazing opportunity. Yes, an amazing free opportunity exactly. to learn some local if you want history. To, if you want to think, buy a t-shirt just to keep the movement going forward. You should yes. buy a t-shirt. Yes. I bought a I bought a t-shirt. Yes, yes you did. Buy a t-shirt. <laughs> also, the t-shirts. We we also have the Black Business Operators t-shirt uh, celebrating uh, the Black Business Operators along Route Route 66. Uh, we have our Root History t-shirt and um, yeah. our traditional Route 66. So those are our yeah. four staples right now. Excellent. Thank you. Is there anything else you would like to share with us today? Come on out to Root History and let's have fun. And we're always open to um, new ideas and and learning more. We don't know it all. Mm -hmm. Um, We're continuous learners as well. And um, we we think that it's uh, kind of cool what we do and we want to share it. Thanks for this opportunity. Yes, thank you. And thanks again to our guests today, Gina Lathan and Stacy Grundy, two of the three co-owners of Root History, Inc. Thank you both. Thank, Thank you. you. We are Educate, Caring Activist Teachers for Equity. Educate would like to thank the following for their support of this broadcast. The University of Illinois at Springfield, UIS. The College of Education and Human Services at UIS, 
the Department of Teacher Education at UIS, the Center for Online Learning, Research, and Service at UIS. And a very special thanks goes to our sound editor and designer, Emily Bowles, online learning and faculty development specialist at Colors, Center for Online Learning, Research, and Service at UIS.